You're taking responsibility. No, you're trying to get attention. That's what you're doing. This stupid fucking thing you're doing. I wish they, if they ever feel like doing that again, call me. Call me. I'll tell you how it's going to turn out. Every one of these dumb things you're going to do, I'll tell you how it's going to come out. If you're going to have one actor and then the next, you're going to cut to each one of them, I take responsibility. Yeah. No, you don't. You take attention. Exactly. You're sucking it up like a sponge. Well, Shut the fuck up and wait. You're a week away from filming again. Welcome back. We are back with another edition of the Fantasy 40 Podcast with myself, John Abari, my co-host, Matt Walker, and as always, brought to you by our friends at Expand the Box Scores. So... Uh, what are we? Division weekend is in the books. We're heading into the AFC championships in real football. But who cares about that? This is a fantasy football podcast. So today, kind of a fun little thing. I do not believe we've done this uh, before in the years of doing this show. We're going to have a little accountability podcast special. We're going back, looking at uh, kind of predictions and rankings we had going into the year and see what we got right, what we whiffed on hugely. And, um, you know, a lot of this stuff is just predictive. Maybe we could learn something from it, but likely not. We'll just laugh at how wrong and uh, brag when we were right. But other than that, walk, how are you and where you want to get started? Yeah, um, I could care less how close or far off I was in the the win-loss predictions. I mean, it's a fun experiment um, at the time, but I'm not going to be heartbroken if I – you know, was, was too off base um, across the board. I do like the accountability episode that accountability was a hot topic on uh, Twitter a few weeks ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, should we, you know, should we have to post our, you know, our league outcomes, you know, to be considered a, a you know, a good analyst or not, you know, should people listen to us? And I'm like, nah. I mean, I, I give my opinion, you know, most people should just take that as like a data point in the process. I don't, I wouldn't, expect anyone to just blindly follow anything I say across the board, nor would my, my fantasy outcomes you know, really sway them one way or the other, I would think, right. Without context. So I just, I find it humorous, um, you know, that, that got such, you know, uh, an uproar, an uproar, uh, out of the community, but you know, our accountability, you know, is, is to ourselves, right, John. So let's, uh, Correct. let's have some fun with this. We're going to go through records rankings and then we're going to look back and see what our jumping off point was for the 2023 rookie class um you know not not where it ended but anyone who listens to the podcast knows we do pre-combine post-combine post-nfl draft updates because to us all of them are significant data points in the process our first pass is what we saw in the videos and how we evaluated them then the combine adds athletic components testing you know and then uh, the NFL draft is capital, you know, which is the, you know, you know a, a huge and landing spot and landing spot for success. So, you know, it was interesting to look back at those and see guys we were high on early in the process, guys we weren't high on early in the process. You know, and then we'll, we'll ultimately go through and you know see where we landed you know, at the end of the day. But you have done the heavy lifting of compiling the outcomes for the NFL <laughs> records and for our ranking. So I'm going to turn this over to you. And I I haven't heard this. This is this is live. This was not disclosed to me ahead of time. <laughs> I'm excited for my reaction to some of these because I'm sure there's going to be a couple doozies. Yeah, so I'm just going to go the order I had written it down when we did this, fuck, I don't know, eight months ago, whatever it was. So, uh, And I also have the Vegas lines, so we could see. <laughs> how, how, but did we uh, outsmart the, the, the Vegas folks or what? So 
Um, should be kind of fun, funny. Uh, I will start in the AFC East. So uh, just the order I have it written down, nothing unique here. That's how we did it um, originally. So we'll keep going with that. Buffalo Bills. Vegas had them at 10 and a half. I had them at 12. You had them at 15. They ended up at 11. And as we all saw this weekend, they are going home. So you you <laughs> overshot the number by oh. quite a bit, but <laughs> not too bad. New England Patriots, hey, seven hey, and a half in Vegas. The they did, in fact, win the division. They did um, win the division. So. Which we, we both had. Uh, Patriots, seven and a half. This was one of our big discrepancies. Uh, I had them at 10 wins. I believed. Uh, and instead, <laughs> Bill Belichick is no longer coaching. You had them at four and hit the number on the head. They won four games this year. So, boom! Good, good excellent work. So, so far, so good. I'm better at predicting the teams that are going to be bad than the ones I think are going to be uh, overly good. So, keep going. You were right. You got the got the division winner and four for four, four and four. New York Jets. Obviously, lack goes into this one. They lost Aaron Rodgers four snaps into the year, so it's hard to take any stock in this one. Vegas was nine and a half. I hit him 12. You hit him 10. They got seven. No takeaway there when they lost uh, the most significant piece of their roster and then. The Miami Dolphins, Vegas, nine and a half. I had them eight. You had them 10. They actually outperformed both of us, uh, winning 11 games. So a little late season meltdown. They could have been the division winner, but alas, it was not to be. I I could, you know, recollect when we talked about these saying, there's no way that Buffalo wins 15, but that's how it came out when I did the, 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 the per game picks. So I'm sticking with it. Other than that. Hey, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty impressed so far with uh, one division yeah. down. So moving to the yeah. North, Cleveland. Vegas had him at nine. I had him at nine. You had him at ten. Somehow they won eleven. So I, I, I don't think we both liked our nine or ten, and they ended up going over. Um, Baltimore. Vegas had him at ten. I had him at twelve. You had him at eleven, uh, and they were actually at thirteen. So I, I. Price is right rules. I win that one. Uh, Cincinnati, 11 and a half for Vegas. I, I don't remember either one of these. I had him at 13. You had him at 15. And obviously injuries to Burrow. They only won nine. But that's another one. There's a lot where, you know, we're not just making up records. We actually go game by game and pick <laughs> winners and losers with these records. And I think we both said 13 and 15 were way too high for them. Yeah, I guess I just thought their schedule was... Pretty easy. I mean, losing Barrow obviously impacts that, but they, they weren't winning 15 games regardless. But yeah, hardly any team does. So maybe I need to recalibrate uh, in the future. <laughs> Just draw a hard line at 13 wins. But I get there. The I only, find some losses. That that site we use, I just wish you could see what you did the weeks before and after as you were doing it. Because, yeah, yeah. there's some games where, you know, whatever, we'll say Chargers, Raiders. Yeah you know that's usually a big game for those teams. So the following week, if they have who uh, fuck Arizona, right? That that's an easy game to overlook where they go, ah, I could see them losing to Arizona on the road after a big, you know, Monday night game against a, a division, big division rival. So that's the only difference I've noticed when we do it on that um, website we use. But mm -hmm. when I do it on paper, I think I'm a little more accurate because yeah, I can look back and, you know, three road games in a row. I'm like, I don't care. You're losing this one. So you do okay. find I'm yeah, ways to when I, when I do it on paper, 
that's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking, it's fucking ridiculous. There's, how many games are there? They have a big that's sheet of paper. Far too many to do it on paper, but with a with a red pen for L's and a black oh. pen for W's. That'll teach them. Yeah. So then Pittsburgh, eight and a half. Uh, we both went over, and I don't remember you going over at all. I had him ten. You had him nine, and then it went in ten. So I, I accurately predicted the Mason Rudolph led Pittsburgh Steelers taking down ten games. So a bit I of a surprise from two years ago. Me saying <laughs> that this would that would have been the year that Mike Tomlin doesn't have a winning record, and then they had a game. And I go, I'm not doing it again. So I forced a winning record. <laughs> of the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, with the, what I say, nine and eight. So uh, that was, that was the best I could have done. And somehow they got to 10. Um, two, the AFC South, a division we both despised looking at records here. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert, you had Jacksonville at 13. You had nobody else winning four games. I had Jacksonville at nine and nobody else won more than seven. So we That's had right. very low expectations here. Uh, Vegas had Tennessee seven and a half. I hit him five. You hit him three. Ended up with six. So they did, in fact, stink. Uh, Indy, six and a half was Vegas. I had seven. You had three. I don't know why we were so low on them in hindsight. We liked Richardson coming in. I, I, I was surprised we were both as low as we were. And I think part of it was because Indianapolis is next. Vegas had him at 10. I hit him nine. You hit him 13. I think we were higher on Jacksonville than we should have been, which probably gave Indy two losses that we weren't wouldn't have given them otherwise. And our big one of our biggest whiffs of the year, mm. Houston. Vegas had him at six. I had him at two wins. You had him at one win. They <laughs> <laughs> kicked us both squarely in the ass with a 10 win incredible season. And they are the favorite to win the division probably for the next three or four years. Yeah. I mean the Irony is we both loved C.J. Stroud. I just didn't see that turnaround happening that quickly. Their defense was trash a year ago, and D'Amico Ryans really threw a ton of Band-Aids on that. And then their offense was wildly better than anyone could have imagined. I mean, I clearly insulted them with with one win, but I just thought the Jaguars were head and shoulders the best team in that division, so it just pushed all those teams down. Even the Colts, like you said – Rookie head coach, rookie quarterback as well. I mean, two scenarios in this division that panned out in in Houston and Indy that were that had a, a winning record this past year with a rookie head coach, rookie quarterback combination. And I just did not see that occurring in year one. So. Yeah, and I, I remember talking <clears throat> about the draft and laughing at Houston about taking Will Anderson and Stroud and losing their pick next year. And like, oh, you guys are just going to suck again. You just gave up some good picks. And uh, guess turns out, that was, turns out that was Carolina that did that. <laughs> so. Oh, which we'll get to that shortly. We'll that was not a shocker either. But all right, we'll wrapping up the AFC with the West. Uh, Vegas had Vegas had Vegas with seven wins. I had him at three. You had him at four. I still don't know how they managed to win eight. That was a fucking terrible team. Um, uh, will remain terrible, huh? Aiden O'Connell, baby. Clearly, <laughs> the the only good, the only AOC I like. Uh, Denver Broncos, <laughs> Vegas had him eight and a half. We both predicted the bounce back and had him win ten. Uh, once again, two years in a row, giant letdown there in Denver. They only won eight, so that was uh, another disappointing season. Very curious to see what they're going to do this year. That's a uh, team in flux. 
Los Angeles Chargers. Hold on. Can we talk about the Broncos just real quick? Because the Broncos, with four weeks left, had seven wins. They found a way to lose three of the last four games, including against the Patriots and at the Raiders. So that could have been staggeringly different, (laughs) honestly. I watched that Patriots game. That was just an anomaly on Christmas Eve. And then they bench Russell Wilson to to finish the season and not giving a shit against that Raiders. So we could have been right on the nose there. Uh, hey, imagine a bet. Imagine betting that. Imagine yeah, sitting on the nine associated with that, and sitting on the ticket for nine wins. Where we shit. Have. All right, two wins. That's all I need is two more. Sean Payne strikes they, again. Yeah, uh, giant disappointment. Not a shocker. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers nine and a half in Vegas. You thought they would win 10. I, I, I thought, which this will come back when we talk about player rankings, but for the purposes of their NFL <laughs> record, I said no fucking way. I gave them six. They ended up winning five. I, I had a feeling this would fall apart. Um, my anti-Staley uh, prejudices kicked in and were held true. And last and certainly not least, Kansas City Chiefs. Vegas had them 11 and a half tied for the second most in the AFC we both went nuts, gave them 14. They ended up with 11 with arguably the worst team they've had in years, and they're in the AFC Championship game. Man. So we were we were accurate. They were good, not as good as we thought they were going to be, but uh, a Super Bowl berth is potentially right around the corner. So yeah, maybe Chargers, Chargers went 4-4 four and four to start the year and then finished 1-8. and eight. So there was, there, was, there was a path to success somewhere in there. It just... Did not include uh, Justin Herbert or clearly Brandon Staley, who we're both happy uh, is finally gone from the Los Angeles Chargers, my uh, my unofficial second favorite team uh, in the NFL. They're they used to be. They're really losing their. They're, 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 they're making it tougher every year. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Imagine being a genuine Chargers fan. Hey, of course, there, there aren't any of those. There's no genuine not, yeah. they, not, they didn't not, even care. They're like, oh, we're leaving San Diego. We're just going to move to LA to be the, the Rams' uh, little brother. And, uh, you know, you guys are going to follow us. And they're looking around like, who are we even talking to? There's no one oh, here. What happened? <laughs> yeah. There's people who don't know they moved, I bet. There's some guy. There's someone right now wearing a Chargers sweater that doesn't even know they left San Diego. Well, you still call them the San Diego Chargers, John. So if they listen to this podcast, it's probably your fault. I mean, and they I know their way, first. It sounds way first, better. The San Diego yeah, Chargers. Absolutely. Even though originally they were the LA Chargers for a year, if I'm not mistaken. But listen, everyone was someone at some point. <laughs> now, the LA Rams were the LA Rams <laughs> before, too, right? So, yeah. There's a, there's a world. Full circle. So, yeah, just recap on the AFC real quick here. Uh, my big miss was New England. You, you hit the nail on the head there, but I thought they'd be good. They were not. We both uh, really shit the bed with Houston. Did not work out that well. Um, and the the Chargers uh, was your big miss, kind of my my New England. So not not bad. I mean, kind of within range for most of them. Kind of got the, you know, divisions kind of sort of close to right, more or less. So not not awful. Could have, could have been far worse. My apologies to the AFC South outside of the Titans, who I've been saying will be bad for the last like two to three years and it finally uh finally came to to a head this year and they now mike Vrabel's gone he said i've had enough they interviewed somebody today that was uh they hired 
Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator. No, 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 no. They hired him. Yeah. Yep. Get the fuck out of here. Bring bring some offense down to uh, Music City. Tennessee to Music City. Hold on. Is that the thing? It says plan to hire him. (laughs) I mean, you you want to take that as something different? Okay. That type of stuff doesn't get like announced. (laughs) Listen, it, it. Tom Palacero, four hours ago. More on the Titans getting top target Brian Callahan as head coach. They are working on a deal to finalize hiring. They hired him, John. Okay. (laughs) He's their head coach. That guy. He he is he's already my least favorite coach in the NFL. (laughs) Well now I've replaced (laughs) Yeah, I've replaced Staley already. Someone did Callahan is yeah, super overrated, and so is the Bengals coach. I've I've been bashing that offensive, uh, yeah, head brain coach trust. OC combo. Brain trust. Yes, yeah, yeah, and yeah. No. You weren't you are not a fan of Zach Taylor or Brian Callahan. No, you know, you know but he's he's a uh, he's he's uh, a legacy, right? His dad sounds like a, he's sounds like he's hiring his dad. Doesn't his dad say for what? His dad like an offensive line guy. Bill he is Callahan? currently the Browns offensive line coach. Okay. And then, right. um, yeah. Family reunion. I mean, he's been an NFL head coach. Why not bring him in? Man, I mean, your dad's boss in that weird. It'd be awesome. Give me a chance. <laughs> I flip the table. Not pick now, up dad. The fucking sock. Now you pick up the fucking socks. Yeah. Not, not now, dad. I was at the time. Hey, I'll give you, tell you what. That uh, Browns offensive line was pretty good this year. They lost like <clears> everyone. And we're still extremely competent on the offensive line this year. So maybe old Bill will fix some of these issues in Tennessee because our offensive line is trash. I don't mind the dad. The son is. The yeah, you hate the son. Yeah, maybe the dad will keep him in line. Maybe it'll be the opposite of what you're saying. Yeah. But actually, the dad is what started all this. I don't remember the full backstory. I think Zach Taylor was the quarterback when Callahan was the coach at Nebraska, if I'm not mistaken. And then. Sounds right. Yeah, and then you know he gets the job. He hires his coach's kid. Uh, so you're going nepotism? That's what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and yeah. now it just feed, feeds itself up. <laughs> Self fulfilling prophecy. Now he's a head coach in the NFL. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. he hires his dad back. Yep. See how it all begins. Yep. And then if his dad never you know, has Zach Taylor as his quarterback, this this doesn't even happen today. Yeah. Twenty years from now, you know, Brian Callahan hires Zach Taylor's kid. You know, as a you know offensive assistant. Butterfly effect. Yeah. It's inevitable. All right. NFC. Let's hear it. <laughs> so uh, going first off with your Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. Vegas had them at 11. I gave them 14. I loved this team coming into the year. You gave them 13. Uh, ended up with 11. A little disappointing down the stretch, but Vegas got the number uh, absolutely correct. We overshot a little bit. Yeah. Vegas Dallas. The, the, the late season collapse. Okay. <laughs> We we were right. I mean, he was predicted or orchestrated. Bum, yeah. bum, bum. Yeah. I mean, the team was terrible. Yeah, they were screaming towards thirteen or fourteen wins, and then the the wheels fell off. So Vegas needed to middle it. Yep. Come Big pick Vegas. up your wagers, folks. All right, Dallas nine and a half for Vegas. Uh, I hit him at twelve. Hmm. You hit him at nine. They ended up winning twelve, and I don't That's remember real. thinking. Ooh, look at him go! Uh, now we're getting into the fun teams here. Uh, <laughs> Washington Commanders, Vegas had him at seven. I said three. You said five. We middled it. They ended up with four. So 
combined, we hit the nail on the head. Um, the Giants, Vegas had them at eight. I had them at seven. You had them at eight. They ended up with six, which. <laughs> There's a little Daniel Jonesing in there that I think. They're they were lucky to get there. Yeah, but also unlucky. They had a, I mean, you can hate Daniel Jones as much as you want, but he, he's better than Tommy DeVito for a four or five don't, game stretch. Don't forget your slight amount of praise for Daniel Jones. That will be coming up later. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Chicago Bears, Vegas, seven and a half. I said eight. You were drinking the Justin Fields Kool Aid. You gave them 10. They got oh! to seven. <laughs> uh, Lions, nine and a half. I knew you were in all year, so you gave them 11. I was not convinced. Uh, I said seven. They proved me wrong, got to 12, currently in the NFC Championship game this weekend. Green Bay Packers, seven and a half. We both said eight. They got to nine, so everybody's on the same page more or less there. Ooh, another a whiff for old John Dabari. Uh, Minnesota, eight and a half. I believed I gave them 12. You had them right at eight. They ended up with seven. Uh, they did lose Kirk Cousins, after a monster start to the year, Jefferson got hurt. So I, I, I have little asterisks next to my twelve. I don't. Yeah, there's, the, there's, there's some outs there, but see, I was. You remember last year when I was singing their praises a year ago doing this, and I said they were going to win the division, and I think you shit on them. Well, you just tried to overcorrect. That's all you did. You're like, no, now it's the Vikings year. You just you were just a year behind. Yeah, right? I take my L. I mean, I uh, Kirk Cousins gets hurt, and you know, seven wins happens. Yeah, I screwed up. Missed it. The the wins weren't there. I, I need to account for injuries next year. The black um, and white metric, wins and losses. The, the, the Now we're back to the South again. NFC Ooh. South, uh, one big shocker here that I don't remember you or I even thinking this, which is really <laughs> funny. Um, I'll get to them last. Uh, Tampa, Vegas had them six and a half. I believed I had them at 10. Uh, you had them at four. They ended up nine, getting in the playoffs and winning a game. So I'll, I'll give myself the point on that one. Carolina Panthers, seven and a half. You were believing. You gave them six. I said, fuck no. I said three. They ended up with two. That team is going to be even worse next year, aren't they? Uh, of course. No, I'm I'm flabbergasted that I gave them six wins. Was I like believing Frank Reich? Sure, shit wasn't. Uh, I even think in Bryce that Young was Frank right. Yeah, I didn't. I thought for a second you were going to tell me this was one of the one win teams I had. Yeah, in hindsight, Mm-mm. but no, <laughs> I know we got one of them coming up that I vividly recall. So, uh, yes, well, Atlanta, uh, uh, Vegas had Atlanta at eight and a half. I hit him at five. You hit him at seven. They won at oh. seven. A very Jeff Fishery record there. And <laughs> this is the fun one the Saints. Vegas had him at nine and a half. And I know we thought Derek Carr was the big difference maker in this division. I had them at 12. You (laughs) had them at 11 and they ended up with nine. I don't remember us ever being like, boom. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to guess. Did we just give them six wins in division? Is that what we did? That must've happened. I just thought they were, I, I didn't, necessarily think they were a good team i thought they were by far the class of the division and i don't think they had a difficult schedule like like you said i had the bucks at four wins right i I thought baker and all those guys i didn't think that was working at all so i the saints won nine i you know what you say adam at 11 i i think the saints did what they were supposed to do you know they just unfortunately they i think they lost to the i think they lose to the falcons in like week 18 too so Another one slightly in their control, uh, I guess. 
but or they lost in week 17 something happened but yeah Derek Carr stinks and yeah you know he he can't he can't elevate a team so we <laughs> they're going to be 9 and 8 for as long as he's their starting quarterback for him I think he feels guilty when he cashes his check no no he no, he does not one bit. good for him he feels like he deserves right. it. he's been through he's been through you know hell <laughs> as a starting NFL quarterback making millions of dollars yeah he's poor, poor guy yeah all right Top of the class here, NFC West, the San Francisco 49ers. Vegas had them 11 and a half. I said 11. You said 13. They got 12. So all on the same page there. Seattle, eight and a half. I said 10. You shockingly said 12. They got the nine and missed the playoffs. Uh, the loss. <laughs> the Rams, Vegas said seven. I said seven. You said five. They got the 10. Looked really good this year. Uh, that was. That's more flugy than anything to me. I, I'm still surprised they won that many games. I just in hindsight, like when they obviously played the games, it was, the team was good. Puka popped on the scene. Stafford played well and healthy all year. So I I get it in hindsight. But yeah, looking back to the start of the I, year, uh, I am so comfortable that, that I did not predict that the Rams were going to be a good team this year because yeah. There was nothing that would seem to indicate they were. They hit on like all of their draft picks, like even yep. mid-round guys that were like huge <laughs> contributors on defense. Puka set rookie records as a receiver. Matt Stafford stayed healthy for the entire year. Like, like so many things that, you know, Kyron Williams, you know, yep. largely <laughs> healthy and was a monster during all his healthy games. Like I, I predicted none of that. So kudos to the Rams and Sean McVay for, wildly exceeding my expectations in 2020. And, and last and certainly least Arizona Vegas had him at five. We both thought that was insanity. I gave him one. You gave him the old goose egg, which is always <laughs> a good time. They managed to win four. And I was scared. It was first couple of weeks, man. I was like, Oh, this is, they're going to hang in a ton of games. I actually thought they were going to win more than four, to be honest, once they saw them start playing and hanging in there in these early games. So to get to four, I think, is actually a bit of a disappointment how they played. But if I had to pick a team on this whole list that had a low win total, like Chargers ended up with five, Arizona four, Carolina sucks, but um, they had two, Washington had four, New England had four. I don't really think and even take a huge jump. I could see Arizona flirting with double double that eight nine possibly 10 wins a year from now they 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 didn't give up that team's played as shitty as they were they played every fucking game and made it tough for their opponents yeah i was not the biggest gannon supporter they were a negative 125 in point differential in the year which it's not not good breaking news not good um four other wins two of them came against the nfc east playoff contenders in the Dallas Cowboys mm-hmm. and Philadelphia Eagles, which was strange, you know, that they were able to get those two wins. But yeah, I mean, I could see them taking a leap next year um, of kind of, like you said, those, those bottom feeder teams that could, could jump. I also think with the right head coach at the chargers, <laughs> but I always feel that way. So we'll, we'll reserve judgment there, but yeah, the, the Cardinals were far better than I thought. I, I, I was comfortable giving them the old goose egg. I, I was setting a new record, NFL record at 0 and 17. Was I gave him, the I gave him one, and I thought yeah. I went, I, I thought it was way out of bounds. <laughs> in the cards, you know, they went 
0-6 in division, so they didn't beat any of the division rivals. 3-9 and nine in the conference. So, yeah, they uh, they weren't good, but, they, you know, certainly for us having them a combined half win over under on the half win for the year, they far exceeded it. And they were competitive in a lot of games. I'll, I'll give them that. Yeah, so that, that concludes our uh, predictions. So it was kind of interesting. Like I said, we... we we each had a few we really whiffed on, but for, for the most part, I was, I was actually pleasantly surprised how, you know, within a win or two we were. John, I think we might actually have to, you know, average our totals next year and place some bets because I th- most of the overs, we actually were there on teams that went o- over. Like we, There weren't a lot, like you said, where we were on like wildly different sides of a win total. And then the mm-hmm. ones where injuries kind of impacted it. But I, I would be interested to if we just average out our totals to see where we would have been with, with most of these teams, because it probably would have brought some of ours into like reason, right? Where I was wildly high on a team like Buffalo and, and you strapped them down a couple wins. Like well, those we and those we just fade. Yeah. I don't even bet those. Yeah. 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 We're, we're, the, we're doing it. I'll do, I'll do some digging and see what I. See what yeah, our win loss was. Try, uh, yeah, try and find you know, where our sweet spot is. Like where it's it's like, is it on the bad teams? We were pretty pretty consistent about who we thought was going to be the worst team yeah. in most of the divisions. All right, so it's you know, how confident are we in in going you know, in taking some unders? But yeah, uh, that was the, we, we may make some money. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, so we do this for John the pennies. Indeed. All right. So, all right, we're moving off of that into you also went through and reviewed our redraft rankings. Is that correct? Yeah, we did um to start the year, we we obviously didn't do fucking 5,000 players, but we did uh top 30 at running back and wide receiver, uh quarterback and tight end. We did our top 12 for the, so the basically tight end ones, running quarterback ones, and RB uh, and wide receiver ones and twos. So um, how do you want me to do this? So I'm going to go through our personal rankings and um, you can look at who clearly we whiffed on. Listen, I'm sure you have, you know, a, a full page written out of, of notes for each one of these. So you, you take the wheel here. If there's really just, you know, some ones where we were way out of bounds, good, bad, or indifferent, those are probably the more, interesting ones to discuss than the ones we were right about unless it was you know a player that you know unexpectedly yeah. produced which so co- quarterback know, will, quarterback will be kind of easy you'll you'll see where the outliers are right away so i went mahomes allen herbert hurts lawrence fields lamar jackson joe burrow tua deshaun watson uh russell wilson and kirk cousins you went mahomes hurts allen uh lamar jackson trevor lawrence herbert burrow fields watson tua Daniel fucking Jones, you hit a QB 11 and Dak Prescott. So quarterback was weird this year. I mean, obviously we, we both already know this. So there are obviously ones we missed in, in, in real time, finish real world, Josh Allen hurts Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Jordan love, obviously not Nars Brock Purdy, obviously not Jared Goff, obviously not the Mahomes Tua, Baker Mayfield. No CJ Stroud. No. And Sam Howell. No. So, we missed on a ton of those, but I'm pretty sure everyone did. Like no one had 
many of those guys in that top 12 area. So there were a few, the guys that stuck out for us and, and most of them was injury too. So like we both hit Herbert, uh, Pretty early, he ended up 17. Trevor Lawrence ended up 13. Josh Fields was 18. Deshaun Watson, I didn't even bother looking up. We know he fell to the back of the pack. So the guys that we had up there missed time. So it's not like they were necessarily whiffs. But obviously, we weren't plugging in, you know, Jordan Love and Sam Howell in their places in our top 12 if we had to do it over, knowing those Uh, were the guys going to miss games. I would like it noted that Daniel Jones was quarterback 42 on a points per game basis. So I wasn't, wasn't that per far. game 42. Point. Yeah. That's what every quarterback that had a start. I mean, so there's one start players in here and all, but yes, he, uh, he averaged uh 13.3 points per game. He That's averaged crazy. Less than Andy Dalton did and Andy Dalton I, two starts in Carolina. I believe they said on the radio the other day, 60, almost 60 guys got a start. So even Factoring him in with some of these bums that started, he was what? What's the last quarter, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah he was he was abysmal <laughs> in six Ooh. games at least played. So I'm assuming he got hurt in the six. So just looking at totals, he had two touchdowns to six interceptions, and he only ran for one touchdown. So he averaged half of a touchdown and one interception per start over his six starts. Yeah, he was god awful. I knew it was bad. I didn't know. Oh, this yeah, the, this is the per game is even worse. All right, yeah, yeah. But yeah, co- quarterback. There's not a ton to talk about. Like I said, nobody, nobody in the industry was like, "This is the year." Love Purdy, Goff, Baker Mayfield, and Sam Howell are going to be half of the top twelve. So yeah, largely pocket passers. Yeah, let's let's lean into that. Yeah, we we missed where everyone missed. Um, so running back. Again, we're talking a bigger player pool. Uh, I didn't know. I haven't looked at rankings in a while. I didn't know where a lot of these guys finished. McCaffrey, obviously, number one. Brees Hall was PPR running back, too. I did not know that. He exploded late in the season, and he had 90. He might have the most targets at the running back. He did. He had the most targets at the running back position this year. That's incredible. So ETN yeah. was third. Rashad White was RB4. I knew he was up there. I didn't know he was there. Mostert was five. Um, standard scoring Mostert was two, in case you care. Then Mixon, Kyron Williams out of nowhere, running back seven. Derek Henry, Bijan, Jameer Gibbs, Alvin Kamara, who squeezed into number 11. Then James Cook was RB12. So not – I mean, Hall being as high as he was, Rashad White – being even an RB1, I think, was surprising. And obviously, Kyron, Kyron Williams. Kamara with the games missed. I don't think people thought he was going to be there. And and James Cook, there were there were some rumblings in the offseason. A lot of people thought he was going to have a breakout year. So good for them. They were right. The RB2s, Barkley, Pollard, Pacheco, Jerome Ford, obviously, because Chubb got hurt. David Montgomery, James Conner, clinging to life. Uh, Ken Walker, DeAndre Swift. Your guy, Brian Robinson, then Jalen Warren and Najee Harris back-to-back, and Devin A. Chain at 24, who on a per game was just a fucking monster. But he's a wee little fella and missed some time. So not I, – I wouldn't say many surprises there, actually. Like I said, Ford kind of gets the bump because Chubb didn't play, so he was a surprise, but that only occurred because of injury. But n- not too shocking, I didn't think. No, for, and for that bracket. 
No, and and just to, on that tie, kind of top tier bracket that you already moved past, only two of those twelve had less than forty eight targets as a running back, and one of those two was Derrick Henry, which you knew was going to have uh, a small amount of targets. The other was Raheem Mostert, who they just never threw the ball to. He just scored eighteen rushing touchdowns on the season. Alvin Kamara in thirteen games had eighty seven targets. Thirteen games, he had eighty seven targets. That's how that's how you become a PPR running back one when you miss four games in the season. So it helps to catch passes in a PPR world. Yeah, news breaking news. <laughs> All right. So looking at where we had people, not going to rip through sixty names here. Um, I had Eckler running back one. You had Eckler running back two. Uh, he did end up as running back twenty six. Obviously, he was injured, but that team stunk. Uh, pretty shocking-ish, I think, uh, that fall from grace this year as far as he did. Uh, I had Bijan, two. You had Bijan, three. He finished, uh, where did I say his name earlier? I'm at eight. He's eight. I got him nine. But either way, n- not as high as we had hoped. Arthur Smith. Complete, yeah, ridiculous usage. Uh <laughs> Kind of a wonky year. We'll see what happens when he bounces back. I'd be interested in Bijan. Remember that one game he was active and like logged one snap? I think it was against Tampa Bay because he had like a headache before the game. I'd be interested if we just took like his other 16 game average. Like, would that have moved him up significantly? Because he was only, that site I'm looking at, was only less than five points behind Kyron for seven. He was only, uh, Quick fuzzy math here, 13 points behind Mixon for six. I mean, he could have been a top five running back if he got any type of workload that week. Give him two of Tyler Algiers touches a week. Where does he finish? That's probably fucking 20 more points. Well, listen, that's that's unheard of with uh, mm. Arthur Smith there. I mean, Tyler Algier, where'd he finish? 38 is where Good. I show him being finished. Okay. Yeah, which is insane, but um, okay. Let, let's the the rumor for the Atlanta job is is Belichick is one of the leading candidates. What? How do you feel about Bijan with Belichick there? Do, Love it. Do you really? So you don't think they do kind of a Patriots thingy in place? I don't think he's had a running back like this since like the Corey Dillon days, where. It was something well, he, he didn't trust run his legs off. Okay. Um, you, you've, you've sold me. It just took yeah, a sentence. Listen, Ronnie, <laughs> like, okay. uh, Ramondre was kind of getting there before yeah. he got hurt. And that's when Zeke mm-hmm. happened. Zeke was, you know, a change of pace back. It was, it was Ramondre's backfield by and large until he got hurt. I think when, you know, he, he sees the talent, he's going to ride the talent. Now, will there be another back? Yes. Will it be to the involvement of Tyler Algier? who found his way into 186 carries and 23 targets. So, you know, over 200 opportunities as the secondary back. No, that, that, that will not persist, you know, in the event that the Belichick lands there um, officially next year, I think we'll be uh, getting the season. We should have gotten from rookie year Bijan in uh, his sophomore year. going to be interesting. All right, so kind of moving moving down the list here, looking for some, some significant whiffs. My preseason running back 13, Alexander Madison. Oh, 
And I, I felt terrible. And then I looked at your RB14, who was Cam Akers. So woo, that, that high-end RB2 area, we both hit a, a big whiff there. I'll um, tell you what, John. R- I was right about the LA Rams running back, though. So, True story. I, I just thought it was going to be Cam Akers. I mean, there's, there's a lot of that there. at wide receiver coming up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I just, I, no one predicted Kyron Williams. Yeah. And I know that I saw the way the Cam Akers finished the year and I thought he would get the workload. So I bought into that, but I was dead wrong. And Madison, you were super high on him. I vividly recall a league we we're in where we sure had enough running backs and Alexander Madison was still sitting there when we were doing a startup draft and you forced me to take him. <laughs> I was like, Dude, we don't need it. Wasn't, wasn't <laughs> terrible at the start of the year. Uh, was, and truth, you could never have. Now he stinks. Uh, true story. All right, uh, you had you had Miles Sanders at fifteen. I had him at seventeen. Uh, talk about someone who completely fell off the planet Earth. Damian Pierce, uh, you had him at nineteen. I had him at twenty. Another so winging a miss. Uh, I felt. Like you said, I had the right backfield. Brian Robinson finished 21. I had Gibson at 21. So I, I suspected the, air, the Washington running back would finish right there. So I hit that one. I did not even put James Cook in my top 30. You had James Cook at 24. So good for you. You would have hit that one. And he could be my biggest whiff. I had Tank Bigsby at uh, 28. And I hit ATN at uh, 26 because I thought that was going to be way more of a timeshare. Uh, obviously not ATN finished RB3 and Bigsby fucking was disappeared uh, very early in the season and never came back. So doghoused. Yep. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, the names were there again, the guys that kind of Missed some time, like Barkley, we we missed on. Jonathan Taylor, we missed on. But everybody kind of missed on those guys. Ramondre, we had too high. But for the most part, not too awful, with the exceptions of the outliers I just mentioned. I was actually surprised Javante Williams finished RB29, and he didn't really miss much time. I, I, I felt he like he was going to score any touchdowns. Yeah, the, I mean, that whole team is disgusting. Where did we, where did we have Ramondre at? I didn't hear you. You had him at 11. I had him at nine. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he only played 12 games, but even on a points-per-game basis, he was running back 27. So he wasn't getting there. He didn't have near the um, receiving upside that I thought. I mean, 38 receptions or 238 scoreless yards um, through those 12 games. That's what I I thought he was going to get. So much pass game work in, in that offense, and it did not happen. Then he got injured. So he wasn't getting there regardless, but I, uh, oh, no, another big miss for me. I had um, Charbonnet 24 and I didn't even have Kenneth Walker ranked because I didn't think Walker would stay healthy and Charbonnet would take his job and not give it up. Ken Walker was 19. You had him 20. So you hit the nail on the head there. And I, I whiffed that one big time. I mean, the irony with that too is I'm, I'm not a Ken Walker guy and I do like Charbonnet, um, but I know healthy Ken Walker was going to be the starter there. You know, you predicted a, a greater lack of health than I, than I guess I did um, by and large. But, I mean, he played 15 games, and he only averaged 13.3 PPR points per game. We were talking about Ramondre. Ramondre averaged 12.3. So Kenneth Walker averaged one more point per game than Ramondre Stevenson did in PPR this year. 
So that's sometimes that's all it takes. One more point and a couple more games. Yeah, that is the, the difference maker sometime. Um, all right, Ooh, moving on to wide receiver. I'll just run through the top uh, 24. I'm going to do 25 because I like the guy at 25. Uh, <laughs> CeeDee Lamb, uh, Tyree Kill, Amon Ross St. Brown, Puka, wide receiver four <laughs> out of nowhere, A.J. Brown, D.J. Moore, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, Nico Collins. Uh, I knew he had a good year, but I didn't think he – he talked about it before, so I knew it, but yeah. Uh, Pittman right on the fringe there, wide receiver 13. Ayuk, Debo, teammates 14, 15. Um, then Olave, your boy, Adam Thielen, Calvin Ridley, Devonta Smith, uh, Amari Cooper, DK Metcalf, DeAndre Hopkins, which comes back uh, on me in a little bit here. Uh, Jordan Addison and uh, Jacoby Myers to wrap up the wide receiver twos. And next man up, our boy, Jaden Reeves, wide receiver 25. So almost squeezed in there even being a little lightly used earlier in the year um the few outliers here for me uh i had garrett wilson at where am i wide receiver six he ended up at 26 obviously that whole receiving core takes a giant step down moving from aaron Rodgers to zach wilson uh, i had jalen waddle at 11 i thought wheels up for this offense and waddle would be a big recipient of that I would be wrong. I had Judy at wide receiver 17. That guy stunk. Uh, moving down the list here, I was a little low on DJ Moore. Obviously, he ended up uh, wide receiver one. I had him at 19. Uh, I was too low on Godwin. Or I'm sorry, too low on Evans. I had him and uh, Godwin more of a timeshare this year at 20 for Godwin, 21 for Evans. Obviously, Evans was wider, a wide receiver one, and Godwin was a wide receiver three, so didn't happen. T. Higgins doesn't count. He got hurt. Uh, we both had Christian Watson kind of in that 25 range. He didn't even – Jaden Reed kind of picked up that slack where he was. I had uh, Marquise Brown at wide receiver 26, and then I did have Addison uh, right there at 27. So I thought he would crack that fringe two, three area, so he did. But then I had Hopkins, who I don't even remember thinking about him this year. I had Hopkins at wide receiver 20, 28. So okay. for me, I was blown away. He finished, what did I say, 23, 22, mm-hmm. which seems crazy to me because I did have him in that fringe top 30. So I, I was very surprised I had him um, as high as I did. And then on, on the flip side here for you, you also had Garrett Wilson up there. He was wide receiver nine. You had Waddle at 12. But you did a much better job than me. You had your boy, Jerry Judy, at, uh, what's it look like, 17 here. The one you added that I would never dare even put in my top 30 was Drake London at 20. <laughs> and uh, you're a little higher on Christian Watson than me. You had him at 23. So we, we did a lot better here, but there were a lot, a lot less volatility, I would say, than at running back. Yeah. Um, the. The, the irony, I'm sorry, just look through a few of the players as you were talking. The difference between DeAndre Hopkins, who you said like exceeded expectations, and Jalen Waddell, who you thought was going to have the year, were three receptions and 20, or, uh, sorry, 43 yards. And then oh, on the year. Yes. And then three touchdowns. So they were the exact same player, short of three touchdowns. And Hopkins played all 17 games to. Um, Jalen Waddles 14. So 
if Waddle could have been on the field, he likely exceeds what uh, Hopkins did because Hopkins hit his head on the ceiling. That was the best he could have done this year in Tennessee, which, yeah, exceeded expectations, but he wasn't anything better in the low-end wide receiver, too. Waddle was a few healthy games away from probably being a high-end wide receiver, too, this year. And, you know, and, and that so kind of goes to <clears throat> just how you end up valuing valuing these guys in season or on draft day, right? I mean, they're a value for their draft position, like getting Puka in the fourth in a rookie draft is a, a way better pick than taking Bijan 101. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> we'll revisit that in five years. But you you know what I mean? You get the point. You're not getting any value from Bijan. He's actually probably, a, a you know, statistically for year one, for where he was going in the hype, he's probably a bust if you compare him to guys like, you know, top running backs in the last previous years, going back to Zeke, like Zeke came out of the gates to just hit like right a maniac. Yeah, you have to as a running back. You only have five years, give or take, to do it. You know, yeah. by and large, it's that rookie contract. You know, so we and it's funny because we were saying Bijan, he was a he was a running back one this year, right? But he still, you know, didn't hit expectation for anyone. You know, in, in that season. You know, some people were saying he could have been the running back one overall this year, as early as this year, with that offense and, and his ability. And then I did just want to close the, you know, close the loop with Jerry Judy, who I am mm. done with. I'm done. Um, wide receiver 50 from what I'm showing on the year. And it's like, I, I again, we were telling you, just go back to the records. I, I believe that the Denver offense is going to be better with Sean Payton. And people were like, oh, well, it was Cortland Sutton. You know, that benefited from it. Okay. Courtland Sutton was wide receiver 35 in, in that offense. So, yeah, he, and that was on the back of 10 receiving touchdowns. This offense stunk. Like, yeah, 35 with those touchdowns is fucking crazy. It's almost, it's almost impossible to do. Hot garbage with That's that. It. I mean, that being said, Romeo Dubs was 36 with eight touchdowns. Brandon Cooks was <laughs> 38 with eight touchdowns. Tank hey, Dell, what would, what would Cortland Sutton have been if he was a tight end? Those are very tight end, tight endy numbers. Okay, one ninety six point two. I look at the tight ends real quick in totals, and you're absolutely right. One ninety six point two would have had him as tight end seven, <laughs> right behind George Kittle. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So, yeah, there were there were you know the the misses. Got to learn like. I usually miss because it's a guy I think I want to happen. Like I was, I was bought in on Judy and I thought this was going to be the year. Again, go, look at how he closed the 2023 season. Unreal production with Russell Wilson. And then I'm like, Oh, and they're actually getting a competent head coach, you know, who schemed top offenses in his career. How, how could this go wrong? Well, it, they hate Jerry Judy. That's how it can go wrong. And then Steve Smith nukes him on national television and his career's over. Yeah. All right. I mentioned tight ends here real quick. Uh, running through the tight end ones, plus one, another good one at the end there. Laporta, Ingram, uh, Kelsey, Hawkinson, Kittle, Njoku, uh, Trey McBride, who I knew had a good year but didn't know he squeaked into that uh, territory. Cole Komet, Ferguson, Schultz, Dalton Kincaid, Taysom Hill was 12, and then number 13, knocking on the door, old Kyle Pitts. <laughs> so. Even as giant as a shit year that guy had, he almost was a tight end one going to our point every year, which is like a couple fluke catches here and there, and you squeeze in that top territory. Um, 
we you had Andrews at two. I had Andrews at three. Obviously, injuries knocked him down. Uh, you had Waller at four, if I recall correctly, based solely on their dog shit pass catching options there in New York, but he got hurt and that didn't play out. We both had um, Higby up there. I had him at six. You had him at 10. I had Waller at um, seven. So we were both in that area. Frermuth was another one. He disappeared, but he sustained an injury too. Uh, we both had Njoku in our top 10. I had Goddard. And you ended up having Laporta at 11. So good for you getting that tight end one finish. I had Schultz. You did not. And you ended up with Pitts at number eight. Um, but we, we we pride ourselves on our tight end. And we pretty much uh, nailed it. A little, little bit off maybe within the positioning. But most of our ones were ones minus the injuries. Yeah, listen, Mark Andrews was uh, tight end five on a points per game basis. So he still produced when he was playing, but yeah, we, uh, we're, we have a pretty good handle on uh, that tight end position. Right. And even trusting some of the, the early guys like a Sam Laporta to be able to produce tight end one numbers. Uh, a lot of it comes down to, to situation. Um, and with some of these guys, you know, being befelled by injury this year or, or ineffectiveness, you know, Goddard and Mark Andrews both fell outside of the top, you know, at a tight end one, stratosphere and they both missed significant time due to injury dallas got broke his forearm and uh mark andrews broke his leg you know so those guys probably are tight end ones you know pushing like a Taysom hill out of there who had 40 targets as that tight end one on the season you know extremely fluky but yeah, then the rest of those guys you know it was largely a product of volume all but what is it one two three not i'm not counting Taysom hill so of the other 11 tight ends only four of them didn't see a hundred plus targets on the season. So, and those guys were all in the nineties, except for Schultz, who was 88 in 15 games. So on a per game basis, they all probably were pretty consistent on a targets per game basis. So find the targets, you'll find the tight end one. Yeah. Cortland or 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 Jumbo Cortland Sutton. But yeah, so that was it. Kind of looking back at here. A few few misses there, uh, you know quarterback is what it is that was all injury based similar to tight end i think we did really good at tight end and, and for the running back with the exception of a few giant team killing misses uh we, we did pretty good but yeah nothing at wide receiver that uh we really would have killed the team with i mean you didn't want judy but we, you weren't drafting him high enough to be like a a team ruining decision like some of the running backs uh you know taking acres or madison where those guys were going probably not good for your team long-term, but yeah, I, I, overall, I think we did pretty good. I think uh, I give us a solid B plus. You know who drafted Cam Akers and uh, Jerry Judy on our Scott Fishbowl team? Uh, is it Matt Walker? Seven <laughs> Eleven. Same guy that drafted Daniel Jones. Oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. That was a how many wins? Uh, how many wins did I have? Uh, 10. It was 10 and 19. You got, oh, I forgot it. It was the double up. <laughs> Never yeah. mind. I was so happy for you. I, re, I resent yeah, my listen, joy. Listen, so just a few other capstone players Trevor Lawrence, who also sucked this year. Mm. I had Bijan, um, on, on my team. Uh, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. You know, I went with the, the double, double stack there. Um, my tight ends were Cole Komet, Trey McBride, and Dalton Schultz. There's your 10 wins. I nailed tight end. 
because I'm the greatest tight end evaluator in the history of mankind. <laughs> uh, all right. So from the vets to the rookies, transitioning to the rest of our offseason, which will be pretty rookie-centric from here on out, I think. So where do you want to get started? And let's see how we did. All right. So I will I will take the lead here. And unfortunately, you know, with the full disclosure, somehow we lost our files from our 2023 pre, post, and NFL draft uh, evaluation. So labor of love, I went back and listened to the episode and had to piece it together the best I could. But we didn't necessarily say, these, Greg, these are, or, sorry, uh, John, these are your top 24, and Matt, these are your top 24. So yeah, it's incomplete, to, to put it mildly. But we'll we'll kind of talk at the top. So at the quarterback position, these, again, are our pre-combine rookie rankings from last year. We both had C.J. Stroud at one. We were on Stroud from day one as the top quarterback in this class. We both had Bryce Young at two. Anyone on this podcast, we, that guy fell like a lead brick after the combine and the draft capital didn't even matter to us once he was officially like 5'10", 190 pounds, you know, wearing a, a weighted vest. Third, we both had Anthony Richardson. You on the podcast were drooling over him. You're like, <laughs> if he tests the way that he's supposed to test at the combine, I'm going to be hard-pressed not to make him my quarterback one. That was, and I did. That was the, that was the <laughs> same. We both did by the end. He was both our quarterback ones at the end. And then it was Will Levins, finally Hendon Hooker. Everyone after that, irrelevant. Yeah, some of them got some starts, like a O'Connell or Jaron Hall, but <clears throat> none of them of any relevance. So, like that we were both on Stroud over Bryce Young right away. Like that we both got there with Richardson, you know, from a fantasy football perspective. But I think this was the appropriate ranking as we f- dove in to the rookies uh, last year. And then we used those data points <clears throat> to allow our process to, to bubble up. And ultimately land us with it was at a Richardson Stroud Bryce Young top three, um, and then it was Will Levis, and then a drop off because of that draft capital that that did not happen for for just about anyone else. So no real surprises on the quarterback front, um, and pretty pleased with what we we're able to accomplish. So moving on to the running backs, we both had Bijan and Jameer at one two. I mean. Everyone had Bijan and Jameer one too. <laughs> oh no! I, I, I sorry. I didn't, you you emailed me this list, and just like you said at the beginning, I haven't looked at it till right now. I I cringe looking at mine. Ooh. Oh yeah, there's there's some talking to be had here, but I Ooh. I was drooling over Jameer Gibbs, same you were over Anthony Richardson. I was not worried about the weight. I love Jameer Gibbs' game, and it is translated to the NFL, right? So now th- this is the accountability aspect. So I'm just going to read John's top twelve. Then I'll read my top 12, all right? So, Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, Zach Evans, Ooh. Zach Charbonnet, Tajay Spears, Devon Achan, Tank Bigsby, Sean Tucker, Kendra Miller, Roshan Johnson, Kenny McIntosh, Izzy Abanaconda. So, pretty much all the names that ended up being there at the end in various capacities. A lot of guys fell, like Sean Tucker with his heart condition. I mean, we both like the player. I, I it's totally understandable that we had him 
both ranked within our, our top 10. Same with Tank Bigsby. Um, you know, and then can you know you ended up ranking him pretty highly in the redraft rankings because you believed in the player, even with the landing spot. I wasn't crazy about the landing spot, which ultimately hurt me with Bigsby, but Evans was a guy you were super high on throughout the process. You ended up stealing, you know, stealing him, drafting him, you know, fourth round. And, <laughs> Not a, ain't a steal no, anymore. No, he stole from you. <laughs> he stole a roster spot from you at the end. But um, nothing, I, I don't think anything egregious, to be totally honest with you. I mean, there was the, any of the guys that didn't get the capital, um, you know, I, I can spin a yarn uh, as to why. So anyone there that, when you said, made you cringe, I mean Evans, but but um, similar with, to to your point about going oh fuck. I just wrote an article and I'm looking for it and I cannot find it. But um, I wrote an article and I looked back at the rookies, the first rookie mocks before we knew anything, the mocks following the draft, and then the mocks at the end of the season to kind of track where the um, rookies had moved throughout the year. And although now that Evans uh, RB3 looks atrocious at that time in the year, he was a uh, first round rookie pick in the mock. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the player as well. So let's, we'll take it over to my side of the table. So my top 12 were as follows. Bijan Jameer. I had Zach Charbonnet at three. I had Tank Bigsby at four. I had Devon Achan at five. I had Zach Evans all the way down as my running back six in my pre-combine rankings. My Zach Evans is Dwayne McBride, who I just thought I comped him to James Robinson on the podcast. And I thought there was going to be an opportunity for him to be a two down back right out of the gate. Um, my eight, Kendra Miller, my nine, Sean Tucker, my 10, Tajay Spears, my 11, Kenny McIntosh, my 12, Roshan Johnson. So pretty much all of the same guys, except I had Dwayne McBride and you had, uh, who did you have that? I don't Evans. have that. Evans. Ev- right. No, I have Evans. I had Evans at six. So who's the, who's the omission? Oh, you had Izzy Abanacanda at 12. Right at the, the tail end. So the only two players we had any difference on is that I had Dwayne McBride in there. You had Izzy Abanaconda. And neither of them did shit. So, I mean, it's neither here nor there. But there's some some learning to be done. Like I was – most of the backs were the prototypical size type guys, you know, the downhill runners that, that I liked early on in the process. So, yeah, you know, listen, six and seven, Zach Evans, Dwayne McBride have zero – dynasty value at, at present right and we both had them ranked um pretty well you had zach evans ranked higher you didn't you luckily didn't take the cheese on uab dragon Dwayne mcbride but <laughs> i don't think listen, we both had hn you you had size concerns but you still put him at six i had him at five early on in the process i think that's Something to be said for that. We both kind of warmed to Kendra Miller, I recall, throughout the process. The same with Roshan Johnson. You know, so the guys that were on the, the lower half of our top 12 ended up, you know, I, I, I would like to say I'm certain by the end of this process, you know, much higher in our rankings. But I guess yeah, we pre a year ago, February 2023, pre, pre-combine, guess where Zach Evans was in startups? Like what running back? Yeah, sure. Uh, 32. 
Fucking kudos to you. I would have. I, I would have no idea. He was running back twenty eight, so he was a fringe RB two, RB three, uh, going in the eighth round. So, uh, quite quite the fall off, but and, and deservedly so. But and again, this is another scenario where we, he kind of held true. Like the reason you stayed on him is because he ended up with the Rams, and you didn't mm-hmm. believe in Cam Akers, and neither of us, especially after the lost rookie season, thought that. Kyron Williams was going to be anything. So we thought there was an opportunity for Zach Evans. His landing spot, even in, (laughs) even in what I think round seven was like, we might be onto something here. And I still think we screwed that up. We like Kyron Williams till he's hit the bat at the combine. Yes. We, uh, that, that's a hard pill to swallow because I still watch him and I'm not impressed. Oh, see, I like him playing football. See, I, I did in college. I'm not impressed with the NFL. I, I'm not. I don't, you know, maybe I'm just because I because I jumped off the Kyron bandwagon, you know, uh, once he had that horrendous combine and said, you know, maybe he's just another one of these college running backs that won't be able to get it done in the NFL. But listen, we did our 40 awards and I said that he's a one-year wonder. I, I think it's more likely that he never – He's a wide a running back one again than if he puts another running back one season out there. I think it's a combination of he he has limitations on his abilities and he gets hurt because he is undersized. He's picked up numerous injuries in his young NFL career. He missed his entire rookie season. He missed chunks of his sophomore season due to injury. Um, and I don't think that's going to get any better with him the way that they're using him. So I've I've continued to cool on <laughs> Kyron Williams and think that now is the time to sell him personally, but that he is not a 2023 rookie. So we will, uh, we will digress from that one here real quick. I just, cause I pulled it up because we're talking about, I, we didn't have this year's rankings. I did find 2022s pre combine. I had Williams at five. You had him at three. Exactly. Like we were, we were onto something there, John. Right. And, uh, you know, we have to, that's why, you know, we, when we started this episode, talk about how we weigh all of these factors in. It's maybe we need to be a little more judicious um, because his capital wasn't bad, if I recall correctly. I mean, he was like a fourth round pick or fifth round pick. Like, that's not bad running back capital. Um, yeah. His combine is ultimately, I mean, I made jokes about it for a year and a half about how he was still running the 40, you know, uh, yeah. at present. We, we've, made, we've made the joke within the last month. <laughs> yes. I mean, and he still is slow. I mean, he doesn't run away from anyone. He got a ton of volume. Um, and that Sean McVay scheme for running backs is mouthwatering. I mean, it, it is, which is why I kept buying into Cam Akers, even though he has, you know, the Achilles of an 80-year-old man. But from running back on the wide receiver, this was a this was a very interesting revelation. Um, more so for me than for you. You know, uh, Spoiler alert. So we're going to go down John's rankings first, and then we'll talk about mine. So I don't have an official top 12. And this is, again, unfortunate. Listen to the podcast, so I wasn't able to get there. So we have a top 11 that I was able to define for each of us through the podcast. So John's top 11 were Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Quentin Johnston, Jalen Hyatt, Kayshawn Boutte, Michael Wilson, Jaden Reed, Cedric Tillman, Josh Downs, Zay Flowers, Tank Dell. 
Um, so pretty, pretty good, John. You know, uh, you know, some of those lesser knowns that really bubbled up. Jaden Reed and Tank Dell are, are league winners at various points this year as rookies. Um, so kudos. I did not have either of those guys in my top 11, you know, when, when we first started. So I'm going to have to take the egg on the face here. My wide receiver won pre NFL combine last year, Quentin Johnston, <laughs> Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, my wide receiver four, Zay flowers. I said it early and often in the process that this is my guy and I'm sticking him here. I, and I even said, if he was six, one, 200 pounds, it'd be hard pressed for him not to be my wide receiver one in this class. I was just so bought in on Zay Flowers. Five, Jalen Hyatt. Six, Josh Downs. Seven, Kayshawn Boutte. Eight, Michael Wilson. Nine, Marvin Mims. Ten, Rashi Rice. Eleven, Cedric Tillman. You gave me kudos for having Michael Wilson at eight when you had him at six on the episode uh, because he was a senior bowl guy and you didn't think I would have him nearly that high. But, you know, there's some there's some hits in here early on in the process. I mean, for you to identify Tank Dell, who I just thought was far too small and a product of Houston, me, Tavra, she rice right away in my top 10. You know, and then the top three were pick your flavor. Everyone had them in some way, shape, or form. And we ultimately yeah. landed on Jackson Smith and Jigba as our wide receiver one. And then I think it was Addison and Johnson um, as far as our top three when it was all said and done. But for us to have, you know, you'd have Jaden Reed at seven early on in the process. Thank God at 11, uh, you know, for, for me to have Zay Flowers all the way up at four to have Rasheed Rice at 10, you know, those names only climbed with what they were able to do at the combine and with their well, draft. And- so about, you know, identifying early on um, was pretty, pretty good for us. And even Michael Wilson, you know, his knack was injuries and that's what hurt him in the, in the NFL. But I, I think all things considered, he had a pretty good, rookie year when you factor in you know age previous injuries draft capital no fucking quarterback on a dog shit team I w- i'm actually where i have him and i got him a bunch i'm i'm you know i don't he's not going to ever be a league winner but i i he, i feel like that's a guy you will happily plug in every week he's healthy when you need a flex or you know whatever so i i'm i was very happy with what i saw in year one outside of the giant breakout guys yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, once they bring in kind of an alpha receiver, that's going to help him. Uh, yeah. And, you know, Trey McBride, you know, you know, kind of popped. You're going to get a full offseason with Kyler Murray, which he didn't get his rookie year because Kyler was still rehabbing um, during the training camps and everything. So I do I do like Michael Wilson. You know, I think he, there's an opportunity there. Um I believe that uh, Marquise Brown is a free agent, and I don't think he's going to be back on the team. Um, then beyond him, there's a, you know other undersized players like Rondell Moore and Greg Dortch and all. I mean, these he's the only big body type that they have in their wide receiver room. So you know, and, and to start this episode about how you could see Arizona taking a leap as one of those lesser known you know low win total teams from a year ago. You know, to, you know, kind of get into, you know, probably mediocrity, finding ways into like an eight-win season next year, which would be, you know, a four-win jump for them and be eight and nine or maybe even find nine and eight. And if they are, I mean, and Michael Wilson stay on the field, which, yes, that's been the story of his life is not being able to stay healthy, although he looks like like the most fit human being in the world. He yeah. 
finds his way into football injuries. But yeah, I like the player too. He was wide receiver 61 uh, in only 13 games. So he actually outproduced Rondell Moore across 17 games. He was just behind Marquise Brown, who, who played uh, what's it? One game more than, than he did. So on a points per game basis, largely similar. I mean, this offense didn't find its footing until Kyler came back. So Michael Wilson's value is probably still tempered a little bit from what it could be next season. Right. So he would be a guy I would say, go out there and, and offer, you know, late seconds, early thirds for, and see if you get anyone to bite, because he was probably a third round pick in your draft last year. And he never really popped. He had one big game all year. So Catch someone sleeping at the wheel, you could get some value on Michael Wilson. Yeah. My big big fan. Got nothing to add. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then you start looking into some of these guys like the Michael Wilsons, the Jaden Reeds, like the Tank Dells. These are all senior bowl guys, right? Yes. Yeah, I remember Tank Dell was undressing people at the senior bowl. Um, so that he was uncoverable. Um, and then obviously Michael Wilson was, and I'm pretty sure that Jaden Reed was as well. So yeah, there's, there's something to be said, you know, especially the wide receiver position for these senior bowl guys. Um, there's always one or two guys that leave that senior bowl, uh, with a huge bump in value because then they're getting put against equal levels of competition. And you kind of remove that level of competition crutch from some of these, uh, lesser known guys like a tank Dell. So Yeah, and I think a lot of it, too, I mean, yeah, for for me with the Senior Bowl is I I listen to a lot of NFL radio, and they have a lot of people, you know, boots on the ground during that, and they're, you know, these guys are scouts, or they are in touch with scouts or former players, so I don't know what the fuck I'm looking at, but I know that I don't know that, so I trust people who do know. So, yeah, a lot of stuff with the... um, you know, even IDP guys, because I don't think it's as big a deal on the defensive side as is on offense. But there's guys that go, this guy is just you know running through people. This guy's going to sack people in the NFL. I, I have got a ton of stuff from listening to people who know what they're looking at, looking at the Senior Bowl stuff. Because yeah, you you can get a lot of these guys, and, and and I think too, you know, we've talked about this a little bit before with the with the. NIL money and these guys are coming out later. I think those early breakout stats and guys declaring early, I don't think that shit even matters already starting this year. So it, to me, it's no longer a knock when these guys stay in for four years. So they get NFL coaching. They practice all week in tank Dell's case. I mean, like you said, every report and, and I read a shit ton of stuff when it's senior bowl time. Yeah. Un- uncoverable. Best route runner, shit ton of separation, and the, the only knock was he was a little tiny fella, and unfortunately that <laughs> showed up on the field in the NFL. Yeah, in the injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and listen, you're talking about the NIL, and I heard something interesting the other day, and it was one on the Devi podcast. As we're kind of like, you know, in Devi season, you know, as well now, and it was like they started talking about how some of these players aren't as apt to go to these big programs anymore, where they might have to wait to play because. Why they go somewhere else where you get on the field immediately and then you can transfer like in your junior year to one of these bigger programs and be a starter yeah. right away. And you can now get years of tape and experience rather than sitting and waiting. And some of the guys they pointed to, like Malachi Nelson, who was supposed to be Caleb Williams, heir apparent in USC, the kid just transferred to Boise State to play. Um, the Dante Moore left uh, UCLA where he started as a rookie to go up to Oregon. 
where now he's competing with uh, the kid that just transferred from Oklahoma. You know, there's, there's a number of guys like that where it's, they're saying now that guys coming out are going to pick the, the lower programs where they know they can play right away. And then they'll transfer in to like the USC's and the Georgia's and all in like their junior seasons and get a year or two of big time, you know, uh, program play before they get out. So it, it, the NIL is going to change a, lo- a huge way of how we look at these Debbie and rookie prospects as well. Um, uh, I'm with you. It's, it's a totally different world. And everyone's not dying to sit on the bench at Alabama for two years to earn their, their chance anymore. Right. Where like all those running backs, like don't hit yeah. until their junior and senior years. Cause they don't play as freshmen and sophomores. Cause it's the privilege to play at Alabama. Well, no, those guys aren't playing at Alabama anymore. They're going to go to Kentucky. Yeah, Look at, look at fucking Gibbs. Gibbs was yeah. a Georgia tech guy. Yeah. Transferred in for one year. Boom. Exploded. First run draft pick. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's 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 the new path at this point. Find immediate playing time and then go find, you know, the program. Um, and if you're good enough, the program will find you, a la Jameer Gibbs. All right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah. And it's the, it's the way of the world now. All right. On to the tight end position. Again, this was pre-combine. So this was our first blush. Um, and yes, I am prefacing it a little bit because we were, we had, we had some, we had some learning to do on this one. So John, your top six, cause there was really six notable tight ends, you know, when this all kind of flushed out was Michael Mayer at number two, you had Darnell Washington and you were adamant about this guy catching like 10 touchdowns potentially in, in a year because he's an absolute freak of a man. And, you know, he got playing time with Brock Bowers there and all, and I didn't disagree with any of it. Um, just wasn't as as high as you were, and then you ultimately came down when he's he fell and ended up being, I think, a day three pick to the Pittsburgh Steelers. But then you had Dalton Kincaid. Number four, you had Sam Laporta. Number five, you had Tucker Craft. Number six, you had Luke Musgrave. My top six, I also had Michael Mayer as my number one. We both just said this dude is just complete. He's out of the box yeah. tight end. Like he goes anywhere, he's going to produce. And I do still think better days are ahead for him. You, you, you mentioned. Like- Trade targets talking about Michael Wilson. I would be buying Michael Meyer where I can. I because yeah. this rookie class exploded, and that guy seems like, oh, I wasted my pick. Okay, I'll, I'll get. How about a late second? How about that? Get, give me that guy because yeah, I, the I mean, look at um, you know, the top pick a year ago was Trey McBride. Two years ago, a year ago, T- took year him ago. a little bit to get his wheels under, and he looked fucking good. And I think a year from now we'll be saying that about Meyer. Yeah, I mean, and listen, he was tight end 36 on the season, you know, so nothing nothing to write home about, but you're right. I mean, I was on the stay the course with Trey McBride. He was blocked by Zach Ertz, and look what happened. He uncovered pretty quickly. Michael Mayer with a better quarterback, you know, in, in front of him, you know, and stability, which it seems like Antonio Pierce is going to bring. Yeah, I, I'm still pretty high on Michael Mayer. I think, yeah, you, if you can get him, you know, at a reduced price, you should go and do that. He was my one. Number two was Dalton Kincaid. Number three was Luke Musgrave. Number four for me was Tucker Craft. Obviously, I'm in the Green Bay Packers scouting department. Number five, <laughs> Sam Laporta. And then number six was Darnell Washington. We both with Laporta literally just said, he's he's an Iowa tight end. So he's he's got to be there. He's, he's in there somewhere. And he bubbled up for us, you know, and then ultimately got the, the Lions capital. And I think he might end up being tight end one for you. 
And I believe you ended I up believe so. two for me behind Kincaid when it was all said and done. So the names are the names, you know, we, we, we worked through the process with them, but yeah, I think that the telling point was that we were both on Michael Mayer early in the process. And I do think now he finds himself being a value um, that you can go and acquire before the, the 2024 NFL season happens. Yes. Yes, please. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. So that was how we saw these rookies day one in the process last year. I'm going to be interested to see, you know, we'll, we can do a post combine evaluation as well. And then a post NFL draft evaluation and see how we've, we progressed, you know, keep us in line with the 2024 class. So talk about accountability. You can see data points and how these players move throughout the process for us. We had a pretty darn good jumping off point with these guys. You know, again, we had Stroud as our quarterback one throughout the entire process. We had the Devin H hands of the world within, you know, in our top five, top six early on. We were we were on Jaden Reed and Rasheed Rice and Tank Dell in various capacities early in the process. These tight ends, you know, very much the same. So Listen to us. We we know what we're talking about here. And this is just the beginning of the process. Actually, watch how we watch how we move and mold throughout the process from last year and how we use that to evaluate this year's crop of prospects as well. I think you will uh, have many a fantasy winnings uh, at your disposal um, if you follow the 40. At least point you in the right direction, but that'll do it for us. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Um, not sure exactly what the plan is uh, for the next couple weeks here, but we are in full-blown rookie season, so it's time for us to start digging into it. We are not Devi guys, so we'll take you along on the journey discovering these goofs. So for myself, John Byer, my co-host Matt Walker, we are the Fantasy 40, and we are out of here. Like, it's like, listen, Doc, I want you to stop talking at this point. You know, you, you've, you've informed me enough. I don't want to know yeah. exactly how bad this is. Do you have any more bad news for me today? Yeah. yeah. Did you want to x-ray anything else? I was, <laughs> I was looking back over your medical records, and it appears I used the same scalpel earlier on the day on an AIDS patient. So good luck <laughs> to you. Like, all right. Yeah. Well, there's always that. Yeah. Very well. There's always an alternative.